part two of Alex and Dan from the Grand Canyon Brewing Company and Distillery. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, to circle it, I guess, back to beer a little bit, I mean, that's why I love Arizona so much is the flavors here for food, for, for ingredients, prickly pear, orange blossom, uh, just a lot of the things that are associated with the Sonoran Desert, which we kind of like capture a ton of selfishly in the United States. It's like what us and us in Texas, maybe, that have Sonoran Desert in the United States yeah. and then Mexico. That's the uh, thing I think is so cool about it is when people say, is Arizona reached um, capacity or is, is craft beer reached that bubble yet? I'm like, look, we're the fifth largest demographic in the country. Beers per capita, what are we still like 30 seconds? I was going to say, yeah, we're way, yeah, we We've have got so much running room. Yeah, we're not yeah. San Diego, we're not Portland, we're not Denver, we're not Asheville, we're, North Carolina. Yeah, we're an emerging beer state. Yeah, we are still so behind. We have so much more to go. I welcome more breweries in this but part of town. The, the thing is, people think that because we have so and I was talking to Rob Fulmer about this the other day, I think that Arizona, because of the melting pot aspect of it, uniquely gets a lot of like-minded, really driven, super smart, like... I live in a state where I have Matt Trethaway and John Lane within 20 miles of my house. <laughs> that alone is insane. And like you those dudes live are next door to Ben Vandermeer. That, that's crazy. Like that dude, that dude has done more for my career just like teaching me things. Ben Vandermeer, thank you. You're the best. I love you. Um, <laughs> and just out of the kindness of his heart, and because he's amazing. I still and, buy and, my and case every week, Ben. Yeah, and he still uh, he started in the Arizona beer scene. He did eventually go over to Sierra Nevada, but. He's been a hardworking part of that in Sierra Nevada. You know, if, if you look at it, it's been paying taxes in Arizona since the 80s. So, I mean, Ben has been a huge part of local beer culture in his own way, even not working in the scene. And it's, but yeah, I mean, just those are three people. I could name, I could sit here and name a dozen more. I mean, hanging out with you and seeing the way your mind works. And like, that's why I like to come out here. Like, just all my peers, like, are driven. And I've traveled all over the country and in different states and met other beer scene people and they they seem all right and there's a lot of cool people there's a lot of smart people out there i just think there's a huge concentration here uh of just like entrepreneur minded like driven people who like can't live in a city where it gets to 115 degrees if you're not gonna fucking get shit done <laughs> like you either are gonna stay in your house all day or you're gonna fucking crank shit out right that's gotta be i mean at least it is for me like, I'm still sweating. I'm still sweating. Look at me. I turn the air down? No, no. I, yeah, that's just it, though. Like, I'm still sweating. So I just, when I go out of the heat, I know it's going to happen. I'm like, fuck it. Let's just grind and just. Do you see that picture of my shoes last year I posted on Instagram? Which one? The old man covers? The, well, the ones that were, like, torched from running yes, the streets. Yes. Yeah, dude. And, like, that's just it. Like, just get out there and hammer it. And you got new shoes, and I was really impressed. I was yeah. really happy for yeah, you. Yeah. And these ones are starting to fall apart. But Those aren't the old man covers, though. They are. They're no, this, your they're other ones were high tops. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I ha I bought high tops. Those ones were the same ones as these, the laceless yeah. uh, stretchies, but they were just blown out. I know. I need some new ones, too. But I've got like 130 pair that I've never worn. Yeah, I was so. going to say, I've got like so many shoes. Yep. If I buy any more, I'm mm -hmm. always going to get mad. I know. I, I like have like 15 <laughs> pairs of shoes. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. You need some Jordans in your closet. Uh, I still need to get some Jordans, but I don't know what I do with them. I know. I just, <laughs> I just, I just look, look at them. And these are cool. I got these. You know what they are? They're those specialty rare beer releases sitting in my closet now. I need to get rid of them. I've got, I've got, you know, I could sell all my shoes and buy a car. There you go. Yeah. There so you go. have you that. ever met Jason you Banks? No. Uh, he used to work uh, over at BRI. He's over at Oro now. Uh, he's a sneakerhead. He's got a room in his house really? that is just snakes. Wow. He's crazy. He's he's the craziest sneakerhead I've met in real life. Wow. I was uh, bad. And he's in craft beer. But I, <laughs> but I, I gave that up when I started here because... 
Well, I gave everything up when I started this place because I couldn't well, afford it. Why didn't you just sell all those and put a down payment down on I'm going a, a, to. New, a, new, a new tank soon? I, <laughs> I know because I really I need, I need more bright tanks. I mean, <laughs> I, I just bought 30 kegs and then... I well, when I'm, you talk about holding on to that stuff for the future, like... That's what it was for. It's it's liquidatable asset when That's you need exactly it now. That's exactly what it was for. I always thought, I bought this for 15 bucks. I'm going to sell it for 30 I bought this for $100. i am going to sell it for 300 And I'm getting to that point now but where But you I'm hold on to it for so long, it, you, you, you keep thinking that moment's never going to come. I'm right now, like, selling all my magic cards. All my, I have, like, 60,000 comic books. Damn, really? Yeah. Oh, you got to talk to my buddy, I have, like, I have Wolverine number one. Dead, really? I, New Mutants 96, First Prince of Deadpool, like... Ah, crazy shit, dude. Yeah. Okay, Speaking so way, what so stops you from not selling it or keeping it? Uh, not selling it was originally like so, like Wolverine number one, New Mutants ninety eight. You, you need those kind of things like uh, CG, CCG graded and uh, hermetically sealed, yeah. and that costs money. Uh, so I got a few of those done. I got like Wolverine number one done. It's a nine point two rating, which fucking is dope. Uh, New Mutants ninety six, first appearance of Deadpool, Domino, and Gideon. Uh, that was rated, I think, at a nine. Um, and then that, and then that rating helps determine the value for the buyer, and then it's hermetically sealed, so it never changes. But, but when you get it, you don't so want to sell it. Well, no, I mean I do want to sell them. Have so you ever sold any? I'm, I'm working on it. That's what I'm telling you now. So, so no, I'm working you on haven't it. though. The I, answer I, is no. Well, because I've never needed to, but now that like, you know, we've we've crested the hill with the company, and there's all these opportunities ahead of us, and I have some side projects I want to do, and like I want to do really like you know if I could work. Just like not my brewery involved necessarily, but other great entrepreneurial-minded people that I've met in this industry. Like everyone's got a side project they want to do. Why don't three of us get it's together and just hustle. pitch in some fucking money and get it done? And if I got to sell my fucking comic books to do that, I'm gonna do it. If I got to sell my magic cards to do that, I got to do it. But, I did that. But I just like last month made that decision. I was like, okay, I'm finally at a place where if I sell all this stuff, I can probably, I can probably get into a building, or at least like get collateral for a loan. And so now I'm, uh, a buddy of mine's been helping me go through all my cards and my comics and stuff like that. But I mean, it's just so much. I, a couple of years ago, I went through everything and, and segregated it out through um, publisher and then, um, you know, issue. So like, you know, the commission, my fantasy foot baseball or fantasy football league, he owns Samurai Comics. He knows everybody and did, anybody. Did he used to also own Atomic Comics in Chandler. Because whoever that is owes me money. Oh, maybe not then. I don't me. know. Well, Atomic Comics... Maybe that's why, maybe that's why we split apart. Atomic Comics used to have this box system, right, where you'd order certain comics and they'd be in your box or whatever. Yeah. And uh, they changed it to a prepaid system where you just put a credit card on file and they'd charge it. Well, I wouldn't pick up my comics for like a month at a time, but I was single bartending and I was working at Iguanamax in like the heyday. Tons of money. So I just I had all sorts of comics. That's why I have so many. And... Uh, and then I went to, to pick him up one day, and uh, the door was locked, and there was a sign on it. And the day before, the, the day before they'd, so I was this, it was the second day after they'd locked the doors on him, and they'd locked the doors for non-payment. And, but all that money had been deducted from my bank account. Uh, oh, and you're like, shit, where's my comic books? So it's like That's $500 in comics that had been deducted from my bank account that I never got best. to retrieve. So when I find out who owned that store, and I get in front of them, I'm going to give That's them money That's probably back. why Banks uh, left and started his own. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because Mike Banks, that yeah, he, he owns Samurai Comics, and uh, he's the commissioner. Samurai Comics, that place is awesome. Yeah, he's, he's the commissioner of our Fantasy Football League. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and what I mainly need is I, may, I mainly need to either get with someone like that and just ha get a fair price and 
let someone else that's got the time to okay, go make so some money. Okay, here's, so here's our second or one. Or I got to, like, get on these weird websites. Kevin and my buddy Harold, which I met Mike Banks and my buddy Harold I've known since high school. They want to start another podcast where it's all about geeks and podcasts and, I'm sorry, <laughs> and... Um, Star Wars and... and Comic Sci-fi books. And yeah, my buddy yeah. Harold has like shit from the um, what's his face? Uh, who's the dude receding hairline? Um, gone in sixty seconds. Um, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Greatest yeah. actor he ever. Has, yeah, he has. Yeah, uh, he has. He has. He has all his dialogue. He has, or he has certified <laughs> comic books from his collection. Wow. Yeah, and it says from the Nicolas Cage well, collection. Well, it's dude, crazy. Nicolas Cage is wow. a crazy like comic book guy. Yeah, like, he just texted me. His fantasy was about Nicolas like, Cage just texted you. No, yeah, I wish. His awesome. fantasy was to always play Superman, and he actually. Have you seen the videos of yeah, that? Yeah, but did you know he actually got to do that because he was he does the voice for Superman in a bunch yes. of the Justice League. Yes, and he d- oh, and he wow. did the voice of the old dude, of the old Spider Man, as Spider Man. Um, uh, no, Spider Man Noir. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the last the comic book one or the cartoon one. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, John John uh, Mul- John Mulaney did uh, him. Oh, re- oh, really? Porker, yeah, it was John Mulaney. God, that's so badass. Only one person talks like this all the time. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> My daughter's yeah. like, I think I know that. I'm like, that's clearly John Mulaney. <laughs> like, so, do you about? think you got your daughter into comics because oh, you're like, kind of a geek? Uh, so she broke my heart for years because I didn't think she was getting geeky with me, and it's definitely happened now. She's uh, she's leaned a lot into anime and. A lot of that Weeboo lifestyle, which is kind of popular amongst kids her age. Okay, right stop. Now. Weeboo. I didn't know what the hell Weeboo is. Do you know what Weeboo is? I don't know. No. See, we didn't either. Explain it. Um, what's the least offensive way to describe this? Japanese culture. It's, yeah, it's just like, you know, if you're not Japanese and you're like super into Japanese culture and do a lot of Japanese cultural things. It's that, like, like how a Japanese are really into American culture. Hey, you remember like in the 90s where a lot of white kids thought they uh, grew up in the inner city? Oh yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, yeah, yeah, it's kinda like that, but way less lame. Uh, they just they're really into a cultural like thing that's popular and I never heard this until you brought it up one day. I was like, What the hell is that? My boys knew what it was. I had no idea what this was. Yeah. And and I know about it because of Brendan Reeser and my daughter, but yeah, she likes Yeah, Dr. I didn't know Reeser was either. Yeah. I guess Who's I should tell awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. And then, like, Pond. Oh, what? Karen Gillian. Yeah, uh, Matt, uh, Matt you Smith never is stop my surprising favorite, me. Favorite She's doctor. so fucking hot. Who, who's your favorite? Uh, Matt Smith. Well, t- I grew up on Tom Baker, uh, the fourth doctor. David Tennant is largely considered to be the greatest doctor of all time, and I'm not here to dissuade that I at all. That he is one of the inc- most incredible actors. He brought Doctor Who into popular culture. He is, like, a strong number two for me, but I like Matt, Smith. Matt Smith's performance of the madman it's been traveling in a box by himself for a millennia, you know. He, but and he had the youngest face. And it was just the way he approached the character in in the in the era. And I mean, you know, we're the two doctors there from now, but uh, now we have a lady doctor. And uh, what's his face? I didn't like him. The Peter old Capaldi. Dude. Yeah, I wasn't a huge wasn't fan a of Sonic Shades and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I didn't really like the third doctor and his like James Bond like kind of stuff either. So whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, storytelling is this interesting thing that people get really caught up in, like. They're like, you're changing this character. If you just understand storytelling at any basic level, people who just want to drive their agenda by any sort of, like, media, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what characters are. Like, when they made uh, Kingpin Black with Ben Affleck uh, in Daredevil, that was awesome. Michael Clark Duncan was fucking dope. It didn't matter. You know what I mean? And Rest so, in peace. Yeah, for sure. He gone. <laughs> but, so my daughter's gotten into all this stuff, especially with, like, you know, women being more pervasive in movies and stuff like that. Uh, that was never really a huge barrier for her in the first place. It just kind of helps more. But, yeah, she's fully in. Like, she watched Into the Verse before me, actually. 
and then was like, it's really good. You should watch it. And, uh, <laughs> it was it pretty is. badass. It's really it. cool. And, uh, there, there's this time. website you can go and just basically read free comic books at. It's called read comic, readfreecomics.com. Um, that she goes on and just reads comic books. She's, she's an artist, right? So um, she draws a lot of inspiration from stuff. I mean, I have, I have a Wolverine fighting Venom tattoo. So, Do you uh, really? We yeah, didn't talk about that one. Uh, yeah. Oh. Lightsabers and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, she's seen from me, like I've set forward an example that being geeky is cool and you can kind of wear it as a badge and it's not a thing you should ever be ashamed of. And just So she just feels completely free to just jump into all this stuff now. How old is she? Uh, she's 12. She'll okay. be 13 in like 20 days and uh, she's going on like 38. So it's fun. It happens. I, I remember talking to her teacher, and she's like, your daughter's peers. And I, I, I was like, these children are not my daughter's peers. And she's like, that's what I want to talk to you about. Because she, <laughs> she, she literally, like, she hangs out with my friends, carries on conversations. She's still a 12-year-old, for sure. But she's just smarter than shit. And uh, a smart ass. That's for me. I wonder where she gets that from. <laughs> oh, no. And then she's just this artist, and she's on fire. Like, when I tell people she's an artist, like, oh, what does she do? And I'm like, just everything. She sculpts. She paints. How does she paint? Watercolor, charcoal—it doesn't matter. Uh, sketchbook. Nice. Um, she does crafts, so she made like this. She took beads and like some uh, some brown wool and made this little like thing that looked like exactly like Bob Ross. It was fucking rad as shit. And uh, she just does all this like crazy artistic stuff. And so uh, I just feed her inspirational stuff, buy her art supplies, and hope that you know she doesn't want to go to college. So. <laughs> That's what I do. I, I feed my son. I'm like, literally, what's his Christmas list? I buy him cans of spray paint because he just graffitis the shit out of everything. I encourage. Legally. Yes, yeah. Le- yeah, you said it. Yeah. Is that the one that's not a cop? Yes, of course. It's that one right there. The pump. So is, yeah. that, is that why that's, is that, is that what's happening over here? Are you getting like the, the cop and the not cop sons? Oh, yeah. It's, it's funny. There are arguments. And one calls the other one a liberal, and the other one calls the other one a pig. It's, it's awesome. It's great. Uh, call your brother a statist. The Mini Mac. Call your brother a statist. Said when your brother uh, is giving you the business about being a cop, call him a statist. That's that's the word right there. Shit, bootlicker works. Oh no, never mind. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, no, because it's like what normal dad goes out and buys his kid a bunch of spray paint. Um, shit to, to paint on. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm encouraging him. I mean, because I mean, every, I mean, most people in this industry that we know that, that I put stickers up everywhere, because that's what I do. Because I loved graffiti, I used to do that shit. He is on another level. <laughs> he is on another level, and I'm proud of him. And his I'm, older brother's like, I have to put a stop to yes, this. Yes, he's like, that's illegal. I'm like, <laughs> so. I'm still waiting for my fucking helmet sticker. He's supposed to design. Well, you're, I'm still waiting for your fucking helmet to bring in here. Ooh. No, he has to design it and I'll well, put it on my well, helmet. you're supposed to bring a helmet near it hang up on the wall. I have a bunch of those in my You house. say that every time. You never bring me one. I'll bring my old one. Okay. Bring it up. You can use it. I have to have it back eventually. Uh, when? Yeah, 20 years from now. Okay, yeah. We'll hang it on the wall. And you get it back in <laughs> your anniversary party. <laughs> I'll need it back in 20 years, bro. Sure. I'll bring it next <laughs> week because I work the next but week. But that's, yeah. So, so bring it up. We'll hang it on the wall. And I'm going to put, this is Joe's helmet. Oh my God. When people talk about Joe's helmet, so. yep, and then we'll have Kay do some badass design underneath it, and well, I want him to make me a sticker that I could actually put on my helmet. He will do that for you. So he's he made our T-shirts, he named our beers, he's in love with. He could come up with whatever the fuck he wants, and I'll put it on. My oh, helmet. he will do it. As long as it like hide a dick in it or something, because oh, he does cool. that too. Yeah, he does that too. He he's the one who makes the penis pizzas for you. Oh, I love dick pizza. It's good. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, nothing like taking a food that's like one of the few non-phallic-shaped foods and shaping it like a phallic. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, he <laughs> takes the time to cut out each pepperoni and <laughs> make it look like He's made an entire pizza look like a penis. He's individual pepperonis look like a penis, or all the pe- all the pepperonis on it look like a penis. I he loves me. That's my yep. nephew. Yep, that's Uncle Joe. Yeah. Uh, Peel. Penis drawings are all about love. Mm-hmm. They really are. Yeah, but encouraging your kids to do that kind of shit, hells yeah. Why encourage them to like just obey the law and be normal and be boring and stuff like that? That's not any fun. Boring people seldom change do your, the world. Does, does your daughter want anything to do with the crap beer industry? Not really. Neither no. does mine. The I'm kind of glad about that, though. You know, um, Why? This is fun. Because I need her to go out, and it, if she ends up here because it's legacy, that's cool, but... But both you and but your I wife need, work need, in the I industry. I need her to focus on her own interests. It'll bring, it'll, like, so, like, Laura Bell's a great example, right? So, I met Laura. She's a great person. She's as eccentric as her father, but she's been working in that industry for her father her whole life. She became CEO, right? Yeah. And then uh, she resigned that position pretty shortly to go figure out what she wanted to do with Did he, do you know if he forced her into it or? But, I, but what I'm saying is, is I think that she felt, dutifully responsible to take that position yeah because it was this family lineage and had maybe she not just been thrust into that world immediately and then like got to go out and so what i'm saying is is for my daughter like i'm letting her like get out into the world and like see her art and see like you know um blaze her own path henry thoreau and walden pond talks a lot about like uh how you need silence in the world to kind of like take your brain and kind of like understand your experiences, how you reacted in the world, how it kind of pushed back against you, kind of helps frame your whole worldview. And right now, as warned by, you know, uh, George Orwell, we live in a society where noise is just nonstop. It's completely pervasive. You don't get time to think, right? So I'm just trying to give her that space right now to give her time to, like, explore her own mind, to be undistracted. And if she comes in and wants to be a part of the family business, that's awesome. And then, like, maybe she's my graphic designer someday. Maybe she goes and does a, her own brewery thing, like whatever she does. Maybe she doesn't come in the industry at all, but um, that has to be, she has to get there. I, I'm doing this huge experiment in parenting where it's all done through verbal negotiation. Don't tell her to do anything. So Explain this to me. Uh, so when she gets in trouble, I, I mainly just kind of like try to logically talk to her about human behavior and, you know, like why that's disappointing or why it do these things and like hey how does she react to that uh you know like a 12 year old might so a lot of stuff is eye rolls and nonsense and she'll just go along with stuff but at the same time you know she just did something pretty recently in public that was pretty embarrassing and she should was in a lot of trouble for and rather than like yell at her and go i just made her clean up her mess and we got in the car and I, i talked to her about it and why it wasn't the right thing to do and why that's not acceptable in social behavior and and what was wrong with it and uh, I bought her some dinner and we went home and you know watched a movie and I talked to her a little bit more about it and I, I, I could hear her listening to me I could see the reception but you, you can't yell at children man like children push against the world to see just like you know Thoreau talked about but they, they push against it hard and every time they do something the reaction tells them something right so all of our damage comes from what our parents did and how they reacted when we did things so I try not to react I try to I try to just discuss things with her and she's smart and she her trouble is barely anything, man. She's smart mouth gets her in trouble. She's rude sometimes. She sometimes oversteps the bounds of what she thinks is comedy, which is really where she gets in trouble. Uh, but that's it, man. I just I try to explain to her like social interactions and like 
why it matters that, you know, while we have all these laws, we don't necessarily need them because if we just respected the approach. Do you teach her to obey or respect the law or to push the boundaries of it? So she listens to what I ramble on about, so I'd imagine that she just gets a little bit of this. Here's the thing. Free men don't ask permission. I don't. That's a fact. Fucking America, buddy. Yep. Secondly, like we said before, or I said before, uh, lawfulness and morality are not exclusively mutual. And, uh, and thirdly, uh, you should never just do something because you're told. And, uh, and that's it. I mean, if, if there's a law and it's moral and it makes sense, I'll follow it because I would have followed it without it being a law. Right? I would have oh, never opened a brewery if somebody told me. Everybody told me, told me not to. Well, mostly the family people, but I was, I was like, no, screw it. I'm, I'm going to do this. I want, I want to blaze my own path and do but this. But that has less to do with like overbearing government regulations and like you know locking you in a cage for driving too fast, and more to do with like naysayers. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like those signs that say you're doing 35 miles an hour, slow down. I look at it as a challenge. I was like, my, the record I got was 85 and a 35. Did I? I submitted that on here, didn't I? But the but the boys thought it was hilarious. I'm like, let's see how fast we can go. Yeah, I had a badass BMW back then. It was like it was fun. I was like, let's see how fast we can go. I was like, don't tell me to slow down here. I was like this was fun. Yeah, but and, and for sure, but but that's exactly what I I'm doing. I, I'm giving her the pushback and I'm giving her perspective. I mean, it's not like I'm sitting there and she's like agreeing with me every time I talk. I promise that's not the case. Because she's still her own person. She's still into what she does, what she wants yeah, to do. Yeah. So she she do under, you, do you, she, she so understands that I'm a moral person that does good work in my community. And she also understands that I don't believe in uh, lawful uh, authority, meaning meaning that uh, just because it's a law means you have to follow it. Uh, I respect authority and the law and the rule of law because that's you know we have to have solutions to bad actors and and people who would be the worst of us. But at the same time, um, if there's no victim, there's no crime, and if I'm minding my business and you come try to shake me down, you're a thug and nothing more. And so. That's what I try to teach her. Know your rights. Stick up for yourself. Don't just do something because you think someone has authority. Um, there's, there's, there's shithead people in every industry, man. Cops, too. Uh, it's, a, it's a thankless fucking job, and I just want my child to know her rights and to respect authority when, it's, when, it, when, it, when, it, when it makes sense. But I don't want her to like be well, told something that doesn't make sense and be like, okay, I'll do that. So don't just listen to whatever they tell you and do it, just, but have a mind and have your own opinion and stick up for what you believe in. I teach morality. It's important. I like that. Uh, I know that a lot of times, like people from religious institutions, think that they have like the exclusivity on morality. But the reality is, is if you do follow the, you know, I don't want that thrust upon me, so I just won't thrust it upon other people. You know, we all grow up shitty and toxic a little bit. It's how we learn how to be better people. I, I didn't need anyone to tell me that I shouldn't like beat up other kids because I got bullied as a child. Like, I knew that that shit sucks. And not You're to a it. large human. You could beat the shit out of a lot of people. Well, I'm a large human now. I was not then. Really? Yeah, I was a real runt in, the, in, in my youth. And what's even great, like, I, I, I took perspective and I didn't turn into a giant bully as an adult. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, because you're by far from anything I know as a bully. You have always been one of the coolest people I've known. As I try, soon as I, I met help, you, I, I was like, I was like that dude's awesome. I just, I, I you know, and we keep always skirting over, you know, a lot of, like, the weird stuff from my past. But, like, a lot of that just kind of gave me perspective to, like, just try to help people out. That's an entire another podcast. Yeah. Oh, for Your sure history is. is fascinating. 
it's it's weird. I, I I love it. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't take any of it back. Uh, you know, you don't. I don't get here without all of that, right? As much as it sucks. It creates you what you are today, though. Well, no, I mean, like, we know even from particle physics, just observing things makes the outcome different. So everything has to happen the way it happened. That's just how it works. Uh, you, don't, you don't get do-overs. You just have to, like, that's why the whole it's okay thing, man. Like, just live in reality. Like, it fucking sucks. This is probably a simulation. But, hey, <laughs> we're here, right? We're here. And we might as well enjoy it. Yeah, make the best of it until you know better. Just like parenting, uh, sentience did not come with an instruction book. And I know that there, <laughs> I know there are some people who think that there are some instruction booklets out there, but since there's still not a consensus on which one of those is correct, uh, you know, we just really don't have one. And uh, I don't know. Doing, doing good things for people makes me feel like this existence has meaning and purpose. How about just don't be a dick? The, That's the uh, easiest way to put it. We, uh, Wheaton's Law. Will Wheaton's uh, Will Wheaton's rule: Don't be a dick, man. And it's it's don't be a dick. It's it's the real deal. That's a great name for a beer. Yeah, don't yeah. be a dick. I think uh, hey, uh, Will Wheaton might uh, come after you on that one. Uh, <laughs> Did he make one really? No. Well, he made beers with stone, and that's kind of his thing. And it's called "Don't Be a Dick." No, it's called Woot Step, but that's his that's his line. He said that. It's called Wheaton's Law. If you look up Wheaton's Law, it's "Don't Be a Dick." I have Will a, Wheaton? Yeah, Will. I, have a, I have a couple of those. Still. Uh, uh, Just don't be a dick. Moral of the story. What was it, Beverly uh, Wesley Crusher? Yeah. Yes, yes. I have a couple of those beers still because I opened up one really early on. I was like, this thing is oh, way, yeah, it's way too oh, early. So I aged it, okay. yeah. Oh, I, oh, fuck, maybe that's what we'll do next time we get together. I still have like six of them. Oh, I do All too. All from different like and uh, aged now. vintages. I think I, I have th- some candy. Yeah, I have six from three vintages. Have you seen my walk-in? I don't think I have. I've been in there. I don't think I paid attention. Yeah, and you've seen my, I, I, finally, I found all my uh, Russian River, like my seven bottles of Russian River from like... Wow. Six, seven, eight years ago, yeah. Nice. Yeah, because we're cleaning out the office for April because April's going to start working at home. So I was like, oh, there's all my Russian River shit. <laughs> so does everyone need another beer? Is yeah. That what I oh, mean? hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Alex has been nursing his for like the oh, last geez. 20, 30 minutes. because I haven't shut up because I know. that's what I do. But I love this. But this is what we do. I mean, I can... You be talking about the government, man. It's, uh, yes, I, will, I just want to keep going on and on and on and on because I have so many more questions. So I want to bring this back to... Sure. Um, I have another local brewer owner who I'm trying to convince to come over here because I'm going to bring this back brewing industry. We've, we've got off on some tangents, and this oh, is what we do. But yeah. this is yeah. what we do, and that's why this episode is, because this is what we do. I thought that's what the show was about. Is it? Exactly mm-hmm. what it is. So um, I remember when I hadn't opened yet, and I was talking to another brewery owner, and everything was good early on for him. And then eventually it became bad, and it got worse and worse and worse, and... At one point, he starts sending me messages about, you should just buy me out. You should just buy me out and take this over and blah, blah. And I thought he was joking, blah, blah. And I was like, no, he, he was really fucking serious. And I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't understand how stressed out he was. And I was like, this is fine. This is great. It, you know, everything's cool. Everything you're just, is fine. Yeah, you're being funny. <laughs> and then another brewery, same thing. And I was like, wow, is this something that really happened? And then I went through that. <laughs> I lost probably 30 pounds. I was sick. I was gaunt. I looked bad, and I didn't think anything of it. I mean, honestly, part of me was like, "I'm cool. I'm losing weight. This is awesome." Well, you're just grinding. It's hard to it's hard to keep your mind yeah. on, on it long enough to even consider. I got up at eight o'clock every morning, came here. I was for twelve hours a day, and I'd go home, and that's what I did for seven days a week for fifteen months, sixteen months. That's what I did, 
And I remember one of the last times we went, which is about two years ago, we went to another brewery. And I remember the brewer and his wife were asking my wife, what's wrong with Brandon? And I didn't, I didn't really think much of it at the time because I, I didn't feel good. I just didn't, I just didn't feel good. I was like, I've got a cold. Something's wrong with me. I just have a cold. And they're like, he looks sick. He looks bad. And I remember April pulling me aside and saying, we need to fix this. You're not doing good. And I kept thinking, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm just, I'm just stressed. I'm fine. And then I remember going back to that other brewery owner and he goes, remember when I was texting you, telling you all this shit, buy me instead and do that? And I was like, yeah. He goes, now you understand. I was like, fuck, you're right. I, I, rem- I get it now. I completely understand. Are you still in business? Yeah, same industry, same. So I've got another friend in the industry right now who's going through the same thing. And I, I've ran into him a couple of times. And I'm like, the last couple of times, I'm like, dude, you don't look good. And he tries to tell me everything's fine, everything's fine. And then I went over and met with him last week. And I'm like, dude, you look fucking sick. And he finally like kind of broke down and says, dude, I, I, I want to give up. I don't understand how to do this. Um, this isn't what I thought it'd be. And I'm like trying to like talk to him and explain to him that we've done all this kind of stuff before and that I went through this with I, I mentioned it with Brewer and I talked to this with Brewer and um, let's, let's, we're going to get a little a little real here um, last week oh, it was about was it two weeks ago now a guy that I've known my entire life since kindergarten my, our, my younger brother is best friends with this guy's younger brother his fucking heart exploded last week two weeks ago and he fucking died and at the time, I'm, happens. yeah. And the, at the time, I'm going through this whole thing where I wake up one day and my eyes fucking beat red, and I'm like, "What's going on?" I had no idea what's happening, and I go to, I go to urgent care twice and regular doctor three times, and finally I go to eye specialist, and I'm like, um, "Yeah, you've got fucking ulcers in your eye. You're stressed out. You need to start chilling out and relaxing." I'm like, and that brings me back to my That's buddy Alex here, Alex. Who, oh. and why I'm calling him my little my my guru here because. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, fuck, dude, I need to do this. And sometimes people look at us as owning breweries or being in the brewing industry. It's all fun and games. We sit around oh, and drink it's beer. Such, uh, it's, the, it's the most pervasive and the most frustrating um, trope of our industry is that we're party animals that just somehow, luckily or through some sort of means, like kind of like got the dream job. And it's like, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm not going to argue with anyone. I, I love what I do. There's benefits to it. Uh, I also am awakened by crippling anxiety every single morning. I sleep probably, well, I definitely sleep less than five hours a night. Me too. Um, it's just, it's like, like I was saying forever, like earlier, I have work forever. Like it's just, it's, it's always ongoing. And, and yeah, you, you, you do have to... You know, I, I think I'd spoken about it on the last podcast. We, we did meditation's important, cannabis helps, uh, anything that can kind of like, you know, it's weird because uh, I think I know who uh, a few of the people that you're referencing. And uh, you know them. Oh, I know, I know them. At some point, I'll just well off off air. We'll, we'll clarify. Yeah. But that's and what's weird is I've been so we're twelve years in. I've, I've been hearing this same story for a couple cycles. I, I I've started to split things down into generations of, of craft in Arizona, but everyone says like it's not what I expected it to be. Motherfucker, I told you this is how it is, but you have to like you found out like I found out like you gotta live yeah. it. So, so yeah. So so really quick, that dude at the end of the bar over there, uh, the dude with the yellow Corvette, he wants to start a brewery. 
I'm like, oh, dude, let us talk to you when we're done with our podcast. Oh, yeah. Or or listen, oh, that's him right there, right? Listen to the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's him. Yep. Is he old? Yeah. No, he's getting Fabio. Oh, he yep. don't want to do well, that. And, and so what I've, what I've noticed in this industry that happens a lot um, is either homebrewers or craft fans or it's, it's, it's like the midlife crisis. Let's, hey, let's buy a bar, you know. At some point in every middle-aged man's life, like who with Ted and a Barney bar, on How I Met Your Mother, who who, yeah, who regulars a bar, they sit there and they realize how much money they're spending, and they're like, "Yeah, you know what? If we own this place, we wouldn't even be spending money, and everyone else in here would be paying us." And everyone is an adult at some point in their life has that thought. We're gonna call it puzzles, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love wanted, it. I want to circle back that reference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So they do. They get into this industry, and it beats the fucking hell out of them. And some of them become awesome peers, and some of them and some people give up. And what also happens too is 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 even retail spots. A lot of craft beer fans open up these retail locations, and not to take away the the rigorous uh, demand and, and energy it takes to be a retailer, but I promise you, being what is considered an operational farm and selling a perishable product to a fickle rotating uh, culture is a little bit harder on occasion and a little more stressful because I have to sell it first. And, but even retailers, you know, they jump into the game and they're like, fuck, this isn't what I thought it was. I thought I just got to pick out cool beers all day. And while that is an awesome perk, an amazing perk of, of sacrificing your, your livelihood and your, and your family and your sanity to open up a brick and mortar in, in fucking 2019, uh, it isn't. It isn't just ordering cool beer. It's it's running profit loss analysis. It's paying payroll taxes on your employees, which you never fucking heard of before because <laughs> you never owned a business. Then you and that's when you really discover that taxation's theft. And uh, it, it is. It's crazy. But what I think also too is like here we have a low failure rate, which means that at least the people who do want to throw in the towel. Want we to had a brewery. Up. We had a brewery close last week. We had two breweries close. Last week. Who close? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Gordon Beers, Tempe, close their doors. Uh huh. Wow. And uh, Mesquite River. Their Scottsdale location. Yeah. Wow. I don't oh, go to that wow. side of town really. Small little brewery, five barrel brew house. I think. Well, you that guys was are a, doing that, it that, that's, that's. They they opened I up. That's an extension from their Havasu. No, it's not. Uh, Mesquite River. Kingman or Mesquite River was their own thing. That was their only tap room. Yeah, they oh. opened up the week. Oh shit! They I, opened up the week after we did. I could have sworn that was Jeez. an extension. Nope. Well, that's a little more disconcerting than I knew. Nope. I'm thought. more of a fan of just Greenway and Scottsdale Road. Yeah, so that was he opened up the week after we did um, in 2000. What was that? 16, I guess now. Yeah, five barrel brew house. Um, and I had heard about six, seven, eight months ago is for sale. And I we had a guy come in here and said he just left from there. He was thinking about buying it, and I was like, oh, I didn't know it's for sale. It was on Pro Brew at one point, and then. It disappeared, and he was wasn't sure. And then I had somebody else come in and say, "Yeah, I just met with them. I'm thinking about buying it." I was like, "Wow, it must be for sale." They didn't think anything of it, and I thought somebody would buy it. And then last weekend, they just closed. Our last day is on Sunday. We're go, we're closing doors. Like, it wow. Do you have any equipment to buy then? Nothing that I need, but oh. well, never mind. Then. Yeah, it's we're getting to this point where like equipment was like almost impossible to buy on first and secondary markets, and now like I don't. A lot of people talk about bubbles popping but that's not the proper way to think about it i think it's more like a, a table that you readjusted that like uh you know someone was playing chess on it and five pieces got knocked off when you pulled it up you still to have to have a good out. product 
You still have to go have a good product to like still be successful no, yeah. with it. You, that's table stakes. Like the craft beer industry from 2000, what, 10, 11 went from 1,200 breweries to over 10,000 now. Great marketing, a good story, and good liquid are, are table stakes. Yeah, okay. For anyone opening up. So it's not even, you don't even get to like have this weird experimental, like awkward teenage phase anymore. But we, but just like any industry, like Silicon Valley was built during the dot-com boom. We've been doing that in craft beer for six years. We've been in this amazing boom. When you look at the numbers from 2010-11 to mm-hmm. now, right? Like, but all of the stuff that happened in the dot-com boom has defined Silicon Valley. That's what's happening here. This is all going to define us as an industry at some day. That's why this whole seltzer thing bothers the shit out of me is because I'm like... Are you for it? To, uh, what? Are you for it? Uh... Well, we are making canned cocktails with a distillery. There is a difference between a seltzer. But you have a, but you have a distillery and, and a brewery. And we're making canned cocktails. We're not making uh, seltzer out of two-row and sugar, which is what's happening. Yeah. So basically, when you define fermentation and brewing, while there are some uh, requirements, you can do charcoal filtering with two-row, and then you can use sugar uh, outside of your minimum requirement. Mm-hmm. That's considered a brewing ingredient like uh, Belgian sugar. Yeah. Right? Um, so it ends up being still classified. I've heard that seltzer is going to get reclassified by the end of 2020 uh, because... But it's still a no, year no, no, from no, now. A year and a half from now. Y- you will find that alcohol, like regulation of this kind comes down fast. Uh, and then, so the omnibus bill, which we were part of that yeah. kind of... That gets updated, I think, like twice a year. I don't want to speak out of school, but it definitely gets negotiated at least once a year. That's where it'll happen. It'll happen in that bill, and it will happen by agreement of a bunch of. Parties. I mean, they were all over. I mean, they were all over for glitter. I mean, and now people are making a different product. It's like kind of like it, wow. It, it, well, the problem for me is twofold. the The service problem is that craft breweries have now started making a product that they never, ever ever set out to make. Yeah, it's not... That is that is technically in a different category in chains, which is F&B flavored malt beverage. So Mike's Hard, um, White Truly, Claw. The Claw, uh, Crook and Marker, what's a that, lot of these What's things. that shit uh, you get? Uh, not Zima. What's that stuff? Smirnoff? Uh, uh, Smirnoff. Yeah. Smirnoff. No, 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 no. Those oh, are not? F&Bs flavored malt beverage and so is Zima. Yeah. Smirnoff is an F&B. Yeah, but White Just Claw. Just like Mike's Hard Lemonade. Yeah, White what? Claw is the seltzer. Which, yes, yeah. but that's... And Smirnoff Ice and, and, is and the, then so the, the difference liquor. between F&B and seltzer is, like, very, like, wishy-washy right now considering, like, how breweries are defined. And so it's... Each state has to kind of, like, redefine that, right? Yeah. Because, like, the way a craft brewery defined here is different than it is somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and Every the, state the, the has brewers, different The Brewers laws. Association has a, an, a, 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 a participation level as well, but, like... It's going to be easier to get away with making seltzer in some states than others, right? I'm 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 a little booty hurt that we we're like doing all of the food science to like make canned cocktails and then this and, and the seltzer does feel like a shortcut. But the point and the main point for me is is that the craft breweries didn't set out to make seltzer. They didn't do that. Right. And then the second part of it for me is just does that mean that the entire craft revolution, which is supposed to be punk rock and about independence? is really about chasing literally any trend that drags in the most basic, the most ridiculous of consumers. 
the game has always been to educate people, bring them into the fold, not be like wine, be educational, be inclusive. I'm all about that. But when you are making a seltzer to get in a crowd of people that you wouldn't want to serve, that doesn't meet your culture, and it's the only way you're going to make sales with that, it feels... I don't know. I'm big on culture and branding and being true to yourself. And there's lots of things I could have done to just like make money in like a lick real quick. Yeah, with it's, the it feels like a money grab. But yeah. well, it's standard cash grab. And we've always been methodical and slow to growth. I mean, we made a lot of mistakes early on in our in our history, and that's why we've been so slow and methodical in the second half of that history, because that's the proper thing to do. Everyone's jumping in and basically making dirty malt water and that's what it tastes like it tastes like sweet malt water which is what it tastes like right now and so people are just they're so ready to just jump into a trend whether that's Hayes Boys Pastry Stout we're finding like you know even I've seen articles written about how like in the in the quest for juicier more approachable beers we're actually off putting more people in the industry because people are making hazy beers with like hot burn and they're just they're not making them correctly and they're just, they just they want to they want to cash in and this whole industry, at least in my eyes, and the reason that it, I attracted to me, it just screams punk rock. Like, fuck you. Like, I can wear Converse and jeans, and I have a beard. I walk into meetings all the time looking like a lunatic, um, <laughs> which is good. It just lets them know what's up, up front. But, you know, you make good beer. you got good beer. Real right. beer, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I want everyone to win the game. But I also, again, it's that whole rule book thing. Like, if we're all playing by the same rules. Yeah. Like, if I'd have known that this whole seltzer thing would have flown with breweries, I would have been doing it a long time ago because we've been so stalled out in making sure that the quality of our canned cocktails that come out this year yeah. um, is on point. Yeah. But I could have been cheating to the to market the whole time. Yeah. And, and, and again, I don't want to knock any brewery that decides to make a seltzer and that's something that they truly want to do. But, I, you know, there's this thing going around, hashtag beer is dead. And I'm starting to somewhat agree. Uh, really? It's kind of got, well, Omnipolo's uh, pitching ferment or uh, wild fermentation into marinara and making beer out of it. Like, what the fuck are we doing now? Like, I, my, well, also my, whole, my whole thing has been ever forward. We're, we have a vision. We just move forward. We know who we are. But when you see other people trying to, like, just jump into the industry because they think it's cool or they like it to kind of circle back to your thing, and then they try to find themselves because, like, some pe- a lot of people open up and they're like, all right, I have a brewery open. It's like, cool. What's your culture? Who are you? And they're like, wait a second, what? I'd have something more than just like a beer made here and like a cool logo. It takes people time to find themselves. Yeah. And what, you know, people are just, the seltzer thing is, is affecting, what, what is it in Arizona? Under five years old is the majority of breweries right now? Nah. Yep. Yeah. The yep. Overall, the, the amount of breweries, yeah. The, we're, we're all under four years old. Yeah. Like 90% yeah. of us are. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, but it, seltzer is something so new that's still so right. So why are the youngest, most inexperienced breweries the ones doing it? Money, right? And so that that's the thing about it is like, granted, uh, Four Peaks is make or Anheuser Busch I guess is making one. Santan is making one. But Santan remains independent and flexible, and you know they're like draft only, and they're 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 really committed to like trying to make like a good product, and you know they're an industry leader, and they've been innovative over time. What is happening is we're, and not necessarily in this state, but I'm seeing, you know, uh, people I know that work for other breweries, like, oh, like, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have 30 seltzers from craft breweries 
in this state by the end of next month. Easily. From Colorado, from California. 30? At least. Really? So uh, how many... Any brewery over 10 years old is guaranteed... So how many, how many are you aware of in San Diego or, San Di- or Colorado that are making these seltzers that plan on distributing them? And are they distributing them under the brewery brand, or are they starting something different? So uh, there's a rep I know that works for a Colorado brewery. I was just uh, hanging out with him the other day, and uh, he has seltzer coming in under their brewery brand. Really? Yeah, like I think two or three, maybe four flavors. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I thought about and, it. And, and but I'm kind of like, you know you, what? And, and we'll talk about it off mic, but you wouldn't get it in five guesses either. They're big. They're big really? brewery, and you wouldn't get it in five. Avery. Nope. You said off mic. And I did say off mic, but uh, yeah, and it's yeah, definitely. You gotta take a guess. Wow, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and do you look at it as that when you say like beer is dead? Are you looking at that like beer, really beer is dead, or this is just the next trend? When I say beer is dead, I think it kind of gets lost in translation. Like when Nietzsche said, "God is dead," right? It's not about <laughs> actual death or actual personification. Because the Beatles ended way before beer did, or God did. <laughs> So, when I, when I say beer is dead, I mean, I almost think that we've hit the wall with innovation, right? Wait, maybe we need to take a step back. But every and, six and, and months, just, we come up with a different style of IPA. Right. So, maybe this is the indicator that we need to stop, look at what we're doing. How many styles have been invented in the last five years? Can we just stop and sharpen these things up? How long did it take the Czechs and the Germans and... Uh, everyone else to like dial in pilsners and, and loggers and, and the Belgians. I mean, yeah. these are styles that were worked on for years. American beer, Centuries. American <laughs> beer, yeah, uh, was largely considered to be what Budweiser, all those domestic brands, and that's not even American beer anymore. But American beers, it's now understood as American craft beer, right? Yeah. And so we've got now ten thousand operating breweries within like this ten-year period that opened up. Uh, we were inventing styles left and right. We're abandoning them as quickly as we're embracing them. And maybe it's just time to, like, throw it back to basics for a little while and let innovation find us again. We've innovated a ton. The minds inside of craft beer are insane. Like I said before, and it's not even Arizona, nationwide. I mean, like I said, not every state's full of rubes. Like, it's just there's a lot of great people out here. So when I say beer is dead, I, I think that maybe we just need to stop and take a look at the innovation we've accomplished and just try to fix all of this now. Like, let's... Let's figure out, let, let's make brewing hazy beer as easy and approachable as brewing an amber. Right? Let's, let's, let's get there first. It would be great, but think about, example for you, and I can, I can bring up like another four other breweries who all said, I'm never going to make a hazy. Never going to make a hazy. I'm never going to make a lager. And they all are doing it now. I always heard I'm never going to make a lager. Well, think about how many we're never going to make an IPA. No, no, no. <laughs> Some of those guys ended up starting with another brewery just to save face. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, do you think that um, now I'm never going to make a seltzer? I mean, I guess never say never, right? Um, yeah, I I've, think, learned, I've learned that for sure. Yeah, it, it's important. And I mean, again, I, like, while we don't, we don't brew hazies at Williams facility and that what may about? be like a pilot system sometime later so the flagstaff facility well we just we know what we're doing in williams we, we know it works there um yeah and but then, but and what then, i'm and then so but again we're innovating at our own pace and it's something that if the brewers want to play around with we can and look at that but again i think that there's so much innovation right now like 
I wouldn't have considered uh, a session IPA five years ago. It just wasn't where we were at or what we were doing. But they've been around a while. There's a lot of knowledge out there. Mm-hmm. We, we did our research. We did enough pilot batches. We consulted with our peers through trial and error. That's how you make things great. And Trail Hike arguably is a really great, super approachable, slightly juicy like mm-hmm. session IPA. Well, I tell people it's 4.2% and like 18 IBUs. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> do you, th- do you think that tastes change? Like it didn't exist before and they're like, well, oh, well, wow, this is a new style of beer. I really like this style of beer. I'm going to drink that one for now on. Craft beer is slowly letting all dudes admit they like fruity daiquiris. Uh, that's what's happening, <laughs> for sure. Because I mean, there used to. I, I remember working in a bar and hearing uh, fruit and fruit in the beer likes meat in the rear and stuff like that. <laughs> oh my God. Right there. That's a that's a classic. Uh, that's a classic. Uh, <laughs> classic line right there. And then now here we are, you know, making Jamba Juice on tap, or um, just fruiting everything. Like, fuck the more. Fruit you harvested out of an orchard yeah. and post on Facebook. The Beers more are you pink are and out. green and purple nowadays. And full it's of crazy. more stone fruit or citrus. Yeah, it's, it's like thirty percent beer, sixty percent or seventy percent whatever. None of this is shit talk. It's all incredible. It's yeah. all incredible. Yeah. But we're slowly letting dudes like kind of just admit that they like that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, tastes evolve. I mean, we I didn't like IPAs or even saisons at first, and now I love them or even sours. And you know, your tastes evolve over time. I think that. I just think that craft beer is uniquely judged in this like space where it's like everything has to be consistent yet innovative. And like we could get into talking about neck beards and people who like showing off their whales uh, on their radio shows <laughs> and stuff like that. But more more pervasively, right? Like I just I just want to make good beer, and I and it's hard to make good beer when the innovation is changing so quickly because. A lot of breweries get to just make something, and if you fucking stumble in and make it right the first time, and then just move on to the next one, there's no accountability there. Like, who knows if you're even actually good at that? And I'm not, I'm not actually saying anything about anyone in particular. I just, again, can we just slow the fuck down and stop trying to get so creative? We have to like make them into, in you know, Omnipolo made that like slushy thing, and then. Uh, the marinara thing, and it's just there's too many of these. But they like, also made a beer with clans people on the bottle. Uh, are we what? talking about wolf clans? No. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, dude, I, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I'm just I'm saying like, can't we just stop and make some of these new styles? So, it's like we, right? The idea here is we're friends. Yeah. I want you to win. You want me to win. We want all of our other friends to win. So ideally, we're not trying to like keep some secret to put anyone out of business. Let's is it is a community. Let's fix these styles. Let's. I'm with you on here, that. Here's the thing: if a new guy opens up and like wants to make a, a new trend and fucks it up, and that's someone's first craft beer experience, that also affects me. And if I didn't do my due diligence to help that person out, uh, that's my fault. But because they were the first ones to do it, and they're the new guys. And they are therefore not the old one, the bigger one. People will flock to them. Yeah, do you, do you okay think that, that that helps them, but it hurts us? I think that it helps the segment as a whole. It's not the like they made the, the first logger in Arizona. Logger uh, <laughs> gate. <laughs> well, it's my know. contribution. Good job. <laughs> Dynamite drop in there, Joe. 
That, my name's not Listen, <laughs> I want to talk about how Mario Rena is actually a computer simulation, and he's not actually a real human being. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. I've met Mario. He's an awesome dude. He's supported our brand for a long time. He looks time. like the Tron dude. I've met him. I like Mario a lot, personally. Um, he's supported my brand since he started opening up businesses. Um, he's always spoke well of us. Uh, I saw him kind of get dragged through the mud on a lot of things. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. And, and, and listen, man, uh, all I did was uh, pull him uh, in a sidebar and offer to my support during it. I was like, I mean, A1 Pilsner, I'm pretty sure, is the first lager that was ever brewed here. Uh, but it was the one brand that, like, no one brought up. So people were more just trying to shit on him than, than be, like, legitimately helpful. And that's my problem with it, right? Like, love or leave a brand. Like, that's why I don't like these neckbeards, dude. They just they, they pile on and they... They, uh, they think it's fun, and they, they think being, like, online bullies is fun or, like, shitting on something. But uh, at the end of the day, these people are business owners. That's food in my daughter's fucking mouth. Like, you put businesses out by talking shit about them or misleading people because you don't necessarily like their brand, right? So I think it's just important to always... I struggle with that all the time because, yeah, it's, like I tell people, it's my name on that door. It's my name on that sign. And when people talk shit about it, when people, oh, don't take it personally. How can I fucking not take it personally? It's my name. You came into my establishment. You drank the beer that I made, and you talked negatively about it. Well, no, it, it, it's not even... You can go say whatever the fuck you want, right? I'm obviously a proponent of free speech. Exactly. But if you're going to go and intentionally put my livelihood at risk and not at least have the goddamn balls to give it to me personally or send me an email anonymously, if you're not legitimately trying to improve my business through feedback and you go online and trash it, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. You're a cunt, and all you are yeah. is someone looking for attention because there's something lacking in your life, and it's probably anyone liking you because you're a piece of shit that judges other people's hard work and thinks that that somehow makes you fucking relevant. I want to make this very clear right now since I'm in clearly the middle of like a Dennis Miller-style rant. Right now. No, I'm not angry, but I'm in the middle of a Dennis like Miller-style rant. I just want to be very clear that when you shit on a product without actual feedback... The only thing you're doing is thinking that your, like, verbal description is somehow an actual contribution to something. Uh, and when you're not giving it to the brewery itself, that is for you, that is for your ego, and that is for your empty fucking soul, and you're a fucking loser. And that's it. If you have something to say about my beer, I'm an adult. Come talk to me about it. Amen. And you know what? Chances are I'll buy you a beer. Chances are I'll listen to you. And chances are, if you're right, I'm going to go to my brew team and have a fucking conversation. We don't get everything right all the time. No brewery does. Heineken put glass in like a million bottles last year. They've been around for hundreds of years. Like, what the fuck, man? No one's got this shit down yet. But yet these guys roll around and think they're fucking like, oh, I have 3,000 uh, rate beer uh, fucking check-ins. Good for fucking you. What's that? What have you contributed <laughs> to my fucking thing? industry? Oh. Have, you, have you ever done anything other than just shit on people? Like, holy shit, like, being a contrarian is, A, doesn't make you fucking interesting, and B, isn't an actual fucking contribution to our industry. Right. Being a critic, Roger, Siskel and Ebert didn't make Hollywood better. It gave perspective, but it didn't make it better. And it did, and it kind of did because they gave constructive criticism that could be viewed. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, just being critical of something doesn't innately make something better. And if, and if I have to go on to some website where you're just like shitting on me without like I have an, an info ad I've got anything in the world if you have a bad experience I've got 
Yelp. I've got Facebook. There's a thousand ways you can reach out to me and tell me that my service service staff fucked up, uh, the beer was fucked up, and I will always make it right. But when these people make these active fucking decisions to just find things they don't like or experiences they didn't enjoy and just drive into it, whether that's, you know, and I'm not even, in a lot of these examples, I'm not even referring to my own experiences, but ones I've watched my own peers get dragged through the mud. Like, I've seen people get fucking doxxed by fucking internet trolls and beer groups because they don't like a brewery. That's fucking illegal, and it's a federal fucking crime. And here we are dealing with these fucking guys that think that because they are alcoholics as a fucking hobby, that somehow that makes their fucking opinion relevant. They're a niche within a fucking niche, and they need to shut the fuck up. Period. And you can keep all that. <laughs> yeah. Very passionate. I love it. Yeah, no, it's, no, but it's the truth of it. It's hard. No when fucking, no fucking neckbeard did an ounce for my business, but they've detrimented it for sure. Yep. And here's the thing. Um, What's a neckbeard? Did, did, did we did we fuck up? <laughs> They're just douchebags. Oh. They're beer geeks. Neck, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, Monday listen, morning quarterback. Be, be, being a beer enthusiast is not a neckbeard per se. It's that whole thing where you feel entitled. Because you know you're you, a ca- you're a cowboy keyboard guy. Yeah, you and rate you, beers and you like there these there's just this culture of dudes who it, you know they 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 either know brewery owners because they've interacted with them in person or online and they they come into places they expect certain treatment they expect certain behavior or they think that they're like some sort of influencer so they expect free product or and if you don't they'll go online and shit on you. It's just it's this whole like gross culture that got built by a few people that were desperate for attention early on. Uh, and while I, I don't know, uh, I don't really, I, I have a lot of opinions about the breweries that participated in, like, really cultivating that behavior from these people here early on. And I was definitely not one of them. I don't even, I've never even met most of these people in real life. I just see them on the internet acting like fucking fools. Who knows? They could probably have a lot of the same interests as me. But the fact is, is they just spend all their time degrading things, right? Like, what, talk about what you fucking love, asshole. Like, you love craft beer, but all I hear you talking about is how shitty everything you drink is, or how this was a drain pour. But when I hear you talk, it's about how four beers that you can't regularly have access to are the greatest things you've ever drank. So, it's either you're a cunt, uh, well, or, or, you, or you just don't really like It's the like hipster beer. mentality to another level. It, but, yeah. Exclusivity. Think about Instagram influencers, but like now take that entire market and cut it into a hundredth, and that's what craft beer represents. And you've got just all these people just like trying to push in and make themselves relevant through our hard work because they have opinions. An opinion isn't a contribution, like I've said. And unless you're bringing it to me, that is like, oh hey Alex, like you know maybe that beer was off, or like maybe I tasted this. Like I when. My peers or other people in the industry are like, hey, you know, I saw a beer here, maybe I'm not a killer, I tasted this, you know, maybe you have blind checks. I love that. It helps make me better. It helps keep me on my toes. It helps make sure that when we do make mistakes at the brewery, that they can get caught. But if I've just got guys going on the internet and fucking trashing my brewery, now I'm going to lose people who, like, may have potentially been like, oh, I heard about Direwolf. Maybe I'll try that. Oh, I saw over here that, you know, they're fucking douchebags, so maybe I won't. <laughs> so... But there's no amount of, like, that kind of behavior online that's ever, like, sent someone to my tap room. But it has taken someone's hand from reaching from one of my bottles and moved it to a different one, right? And at the end of the day, that's how I feed my fucking family because this is a punk rock. Like, most people that you see at a beer festival when you're, like, when these fucking douchebags are making their opinions are the owners that, you know, have their houses as collateral. And then you're sitting there just like, oh, this 
fucking tastes like shit over to your friends. Come talk to me, bro. Come talk to me. That's it. And and the bigger problem is is that when you tell this to these people online, then they want to talk like they're actually going to fight someone in public. <laughs> no, you're not. Shut the fuck up. And oh, behind it. a keyboard they will. Oh, yeah, yeah, but once they're behind the keyboard, they're like, oh, what's up? And it's like, yeah, what's up? Come <laughs> find me. I'm out in the field working all the time. I'm literally posting where I'm at 24-7. Like, and, and again, it's... It sounds a lot more aggressive than I intended, but it's it's very frustrating that a lot of these people, and the, the biggest problem for me is that most of them are pervasively like pushers of like out of state. So they're like, for years it was like Arizona doesn't make good beer, fuck Arizona, blah blah blah. And you'd see this in forums all the time. Now those same dudes are praising like four breweries in the state. Our entire segment has to succeed, bro. Like, for every Ren House, you need a Santan. For every Wilderness, you need a Four Peaks, right? You have to have this balance. Yeah, I love it. Hey, I'm moving to the Valley. I'm moving to Central Phoenix. Where should I go? Yeah, you need to go to Tucson. You need to go to Flagstaff. <laughs> you need to go to Borderlands. Yeah, and you fucking idiots. And granted, you do need to go to yeah, Borderlands. To, They're awesome. So I'm moving but to this town. You need to drive 150 miles away to go to this place. Like, even really? Even 30 breweries around here. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like, God, seriously? It's like I wanted some so bad going and like make comments. But I'm like, you know what? Nope. I'm just I'm just going to wash my hands of it. And That's it's just weird. It's not my monkey, beer. not my circus. Yeah, and I mean, while I could sit here and shit on neckbeards for forever I'll, I'll kind of pivot out of it so it doesn't like feel petty but i mean i like Nick it, it, it is it <laughs> your name it is just what it is it's it's an unhelpful response that affects our industry uh in a negative way but legitimately cannot affect it in a positive way so i don't i just don't see any benefit to it right and if in listen this is gonna go somewhere so anyone listening if you want to, like, quantify it for me, write it with a crayon or something so I can read it properly. <laughs> uh, I'll buy a beer. Uh, we can meet up. But I just don't think that there is a positive quantification of this kind of behavior from people who literally are just sharing their opinion about something, their palate, that is entirely subjective. From your mood to what you ate to your allergies to the weather to a billion things, your so palate. order you drink the beers Absolutely. Hey, what did you have for lunch? Uh, did you, are, are you in a different, did you travel 200 miles to Flagstaff from Phoenix? Like, there's literally two bacteria cultures in your mouth fighting. Go brush your fucking teeth and drink some water. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there are yeah. things that affect, people just don't even think about. Shipping beer rousts the shit out of it and, you know, fucks it up. Like, but, you know, beer that gets shipped to Brazil somehow still gets rated as if it was poured off tap. What's good for business is is when you drink a beer, if you don't like it, tell the fucking person to hand it to you. So you're saying if I want a free beer, I just got to reach out to you online and you're going to buy me a beer. Sweet. <laughs> I'm you in. Can, and show up in person. <laughs> no. For sure. And then just make sure you use red crayons because they can't see yellow. <laughs> I, like, I like purple. <laughs> uh, purple's fine. I like purple. It's a very regal, royal color. Ooh, regal. The, uh, there Love was it. a time in history where a single gram of uh, purple dye cost like more than like a brick of gold. Really? Yeah, because. Yeah, and there was a certain time before that that there was no color purple. They didn't. There was no definition of purple. It didn't exist. Dude, we are not Dude, even close to the drop. smartest guys in the room. I know, right huh? Now. I feel dumb every time I sit with these two guys. <laughs> There's a reason I do, wear do you a want, helmet. Do you want to hear the craziest? Uh, do you want to hear the craziest uh, historical flex? Yes. Aluminum. Check it out. 
So before the aluminum process was refined in what, like the 50s? Like where you can like make it from dirt? Uh, it was so rare that Kings and uh, Kings ate on gold plates, but Emperors ate on aluminum. Really? It was so rare, so rare, that it was the most valuable substance on the planet. Because they could crush it up when they were done? No. Uh, aluminum, before, before we figured out how to kind of make it from dirt, make it infinitely recyclable, yeah. you, just, you couldn't ever find it. It was this lightweight, flaky metal that they knew how to work with, similar to pewter, which was very popular back uh-huh. in that a- age. But you could just, until we figured out the alchemical sciences, basically, eventually, to get it from the ground and build sheets it. out of it, yeah, and then to, to make it, it infinitely recyclable, uh, yeah, you just you had to find it naturally, which is hard as fuck. So the the greatest historical flex of all time is like going into the past with a twelve pack. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This yeah. is like showing them this lightweight metal holding a can of beer and shit. And there was a Bud Light case sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Whatever it is, yes. He likes number five. Yes, I do. What is the, he likes more than that. Is the way I held his hand. Yo, I know ooh. he does. <laughs> I like them. I like I like five number five and five guys. What? <laughs> five three one whatever. Yeah. Five whatever three it takes. one two four six. Uh, but yeah, uh, just trying to stop shitting on these fucking dirt bags because. And the thing is, none of it will ever matter. Any one of the people I'm talking about will just sit here the whole time thinking I'm a shit. They don't bag. listen to this anyway. Yeah. Well, even if, yeah, even if they do, it's 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 out of spite and. They don't really give a shit. That's the problem, is that they're, they're baseball card collectors. That's my motto. <laughs> beer is the new adult baseball cards. It is. Oh, for sure. That's exactly what it is. I got this beer and you don't. Let me take a picture of it and show you that I've got it. Have you, have you met the people that are like, I've never drinking a beer twice? Oh, have yeah. you met these people? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Who are these people? They come into my brewery all the time. Yeah, There's probably right one at the bar right now. <laughs> it's that guy right there. I think he's over eating at Fabio's, but he'll be back. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, he'll be back. He's over there. I think it's yeah, his he car. Is. Yeah, That's him right I there. Keep it, I keep seeing his car move all around this. Yep. Like, so he must just love this, like. He does. He's got a. Oh, yeah. There's, there's plenty of them. We have those guys who come in here every day and say, hey, I'm a home brewer. Can I come shovel your mash ton? And I'm like, no. No. I'm I asked you once, okay? No. <laughs> and I actually had somebody come do it one time, and you ended up doing it anyway. Yeah, I like doing that. It's fun. Yeah, I know you do. It's well, work. The, the thing is, is like. While that sounds like a great idea and you have, like, the Gary Vaynerchuks of, like, craft beer being like, just go, you know, ask a crab brewery if you can shovel their stuff. Like, yeah, great. And that's a great way to get into it. And there's It doesn't there's work. Th- it, well, primarily it doesn't work because a lot of these people, just as soon as they are met, so just to circle it all the way back, as soon as they're met with the, the, the hard work, the labor, the resistance, they give up. They're like, shit, I didn't realize this is, like, cleaning and manual labor. And so when when... You stick it out, and you know, like you lost all the weight, and had to have your peers be like, "Dude, you look like shit." <laughs> like, that's that's why it's that's why I take all this so personally. Like I watch all my friends go through these battles. You know, I've been friends with the Husses for years. I they they collateral their house to get open. Like if that doesn't work, what happens, right? And most people I know are putting up huge collaterals to get this stuff done. And yeah, put everything I fucking own and, in this And so place. when you get through it, especially because you're immediately hit with that, like, dread and, like, I'm way too in over, like, there's so much money. I've only known one brewery that opened, got to that point, and actually did just lock the doors and give up. Um, but, you know, it makes a great uh, s- uh, space for a new brewery. 
it does it does it does give me this like kind of like really intense passion for like anyone who's like attacking this community because it's it's just wrought with this stress and this and this work ethic that no one understands. And even if they do, they just they want to benefit from it, right? And there's and, and again, that's what we're here for. We're, we we are beverage makers. We are service industry. But I just feel it's so unfairly gauged against everything else. Like, no one has ever, you know, never eaten the same thing twice. Well, I mean, for the, these are general statements. I'm sure they're outliers. But you've never generally meet someone who's like, I've never eaten the same meal twice. <laughs> or, like, gone to a restaurant and had a beer, had a, you know, went back, had it again, it didn't like it, and then just never had something from that restaurant ever again. That's like going to Taco Bell. And getting something fucked up, and then just like literally never eating there again, which you probably shouldn't eat fast food, but it's a it's a crazy reaction, right? And a lot of it has to do with the fact that there is just so much access. In what we do. And it's Taco Bell. There's a reason people work at Taco Bell. They're not like the smartest people. I mean, they they work at Taco Bell. There's Del a reason Taco's they're working better. that there at 11 o'clock on a on a Thursday night. Yep. Not not to not to bash him, but I'm like just. You know what? No, and again, there are outliers. There's someone who's like trying to like cover medical debt that's working a second job. But yeah, for the most part, exactly. Yeah. For the most part, unskilled labor is for unskilled laborers, right? And and again, like that's why the world's great. But yeah, but more specifically, just to get out of fast food, it's just this. I just feel we get this weird kind of like ubiquity when we're being judged, like. It just, we have to be perfect all of the time, but then, like, the macro brands that everyone's supposed to hate get free passes all the time. Or a beloved hype brewery might get a pass on something that these guys would have gone online and torn us apart. Do you think the big guys get the free pass because the people who drink that don't give a shit and they're not as passionate? It's just, I go to the grocery store, I buy my case of beer, I'm going to the lake, I don't give a fuck. Where the people who are into craft beer are kind of like, oh, I bought this new IPA. It's going to be the best beer. And they get it and like, oh, I'm going to yelp it or I'm going to I'm going to untap it or, you know, go and rate beer. And then I'm going to give my constructive criticism to make myself look smarter than you because I can pick out the diacetyl that you can't. I mean, I, there's probably uh, a lot of that in there. And, and, and I don't want to classify all macro drinkers but I think a lot of that is just you know I've, I've got nothing wrong with someone who knows what they like right and especially mm-hmm. when beer even just five years ago was much different right you had to kind of find one or two that you liked and if you liked beer and just kind of stick with it and especially if you di- dove into craft beer and hung out with a few breweries that didn't necessarily take this seriously or uh, didn't think that quality was important it turned you off to craft beer. So then you just went back to the macro brand that you know is reliable, is always on the shelf, you always have access to it. Like, um, I've told you before, I like selling beer in chains. I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, there's there's this whole like grocery store beer shaming movement that's going on within these tiny niches. And it's like, to be able to get a beer consistently on the shelf and access to someone all the time, and then to get people to want to show up, look for it and pull it off, because I have to meet hurdle rates to stay there, that's fucking cool. And sometimes people will like go back to an old reliable if they have bad experiences in craft in the macro field. But again, like this has always been an educational piece. 
it's just a long game, man. It just has to be. We, we, we just, at least from my perspective, a lot of my peers, I think, just thought that because we were in this huge boom, that it was just going to be high fives, smoking bowls and alleys in between fucking bar hopping <laughs> forever with double digit growth. But it's not. It's hard fucking work. And it's, you know, it's like running a dairy farm and then also a marketing and sales team because you, you have to market the beers because I have this whole thesis on how seasonals are dead because there's just no place for them in the world anymore. Okay, you see, are you coming out with an Oktoberfest? Uh, not this year, no. Because those but, come out next month. Well, no, we're not doing London all this year. We did it you know, longer. Okay. We're already done. And so we... So seasonals used to fit, fill this gap, like, right? So as a craft beer consumer, I, you know, I like Sierra Nevada. I like New Belgium. I liked a few brands, uh, Abita. And then their seasonals would kind of give me a break from their, like, regular beers and, like, you know, give me this, like, special, like, treat that was fun and it was reliable. But now, you know, as a brewery owner, you can pivot out a new beer two, every two weeks, every month. The fuck is a seasonal for anymore? <laughs> just drop it. Just, oh, I completely just like, agree. Hey, uh, twice a year or once a year, we brew this beer and it's available. But a seasonal is generally brewed for like a full quarter. There's just no room for that anymore, right? Yeah, so when pumpkin beers come out in August. I'm like, it's not even October yet, and there's pumpkin beers all over the place. Yeah. Well, I mean that. To be fair, that is due to retailer and consumer demand. Oh, I, I understand. Yeah, because that's what I'm saying, because I think it's hilarious how Oktoberfest come out here in America the first week of August. Oh, hey, um, what are you doing in 2020? I'm trying to put together an Oktoberfest. We're right? going to Oktoberfest. Done. I've already started my fund. We're going. Uh, oh, cool. Well, We're down. I, I was talking with uh, the boys. Joe's going with us. I just was talking to the boys that just got back from Japan. Yes. And they're like, let's go back to Japan. I was like, let's go to fucking Oktoberfest. Yes. And they're like, yes. Sweet, we're going. So it's like, yeah, you, me, it'll be Adam Rahal and like the boys. Done, we're done. I've already got my fund for it. I think I just sold something which is going to pay for my trip, so we're done. We're done. I'm down. Awesome. April Dawn, Oktoberfest 2020. He's setting it up. No, Munich. Munich. Almost we're going to Munchen. Jose is going with us. It's almost as good as Wisconsin. Jose B. Yep, we're down. All right. We're going to do that. We should probably I'm wrap jump on the plane. And we're going to bring it to a close. Oh, we're going to wrap this shit up? Well, I mean... We can keep talking. It's been a couple hours. How long are we talking for? Two and a half hours. That's awesome. But this is what me and Alex do. <laughs> yeah, we'll just uh, rebrand this as like a JRE uh, podcast. Yeah, we'll just, split, we'll just split this into two episodes because this is what we do. Yeah, we could. We could easily. Yeah. Or just, yeah, just do a part one and part two up front. Yes. Yeah, we, just right, we do. We'll yeah. do that. Yeah, he made he made the hour trek all the way out here to come hang with me. Well, yeah. I didn't need the podcast for that. I was just going to come out here. Oh, awesome. I'm trying to get somebody to come talk to you because he needs some help. Me? Yeah, he needs to come talk to you. They need help or I need help? No, he does. He oh, does. I was like, I know yeah. I need help. No. Jesus. I'm trying to get him to come talk to you. All right. Okay, well, uh, this is fun. I uh, agree. It always is. You're really fucking smart. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Brandon. Yeah, thanks for listening to part... Well, this will be part two of episode 15. Two, yeah. The 15-point <laughs> B. Yeah, 15 is the first part. So, uh, 16. 15 and a half. This is a little insight into uh, what we do. Peoria, I guess. Um, yeah. I just saw a fucking um, giant go-kart with the fuzz? Uh, 100 glows just fly by. The fuzz, oh, nice. yeah. All right, thanks, guys. And we'll do this again really soon because, uh, you know, everybody knows Alex is my favorite. So uh, oh, thank you. we'll do this again well, real soon. Up. Thanks for having me. Anytime, buddy. Cheers. Good night. <laughs>